exceptional people. You are now listening to Change Today, a new-ish podcast about how we can better today's society. I'm your creator and co-host, Mariam Antone. And I'm co-host, Molly Quatrusi. And today we will be discussing the prison industrial complex. But first, let's catch up. Molly, how are you doing? Um, better than ever. I love how it snowed this morning. That yes. Was, that was fun. Keep in mind, today we're recording this episode on April 16th. We are. And it full-on snowed for like three hours probably. Yeah. And our last Friday, which was the el- April 11th, it was like 70 degrees out. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Love New England. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a question for you. All right. Have you seen Bridgerton on Netflix? I have not. Oh, now I can't ask you my question. No. It was depending on you. It's what? okay, Molly. Ask a different question. Okay, is there anything that you have binged in the last, like, six-ish months? I watched Cobra Kai over Christmas break. Yeah, I know. What is that? It's the show about the two, um, like, the Karate Kid characters it's oh oh it's cobra kai yeah. oh yeah, yeah 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 i did hear about that it's really good okay it's i would definitely recommend okay. watching it the last thing i binged was criminal minds and i started i want to say like november and then i finished like Jan- february maybe i honestly mm-hmm. don't remember but i finished it like faster than i should have for a show that's <laughs> as long as it is and I haven't done anything since. I've mostly been reading now. I think mm-hmm. I've read seven books in the last one and a half months-ish. That's impressive. Thank you. My goal is to get 30 before the start of next semester, which gives me the whole summer, and I've already read so many like during the semester that are like not school-related that mm-hmm. I feel like I should up that number. You probably Really could. make it a challenge for myself. I know. I was going to say 30. You'll probably get to that by... The end of June. Yeah. Like, not even <laughs> next right. semester. Maybe I'll up my number. <laughs> and with that, let's get right into it. Like Miriam said before, the topic we'll be discussing today is the prison industrial complex. So, what is the prison industrial complex? It describes the overlapping interests of government and industry that use surveillance, policing, and imprisonment as solutions to economic, social, and political problems. It helps and maintains the authority of people who get their power through racial, economic, and other privileges. The prison industrial complex uses mass media to continue sharing stereotypes of people of color, poor people, the LGBTQ plus community, immigrants, the youth, and other marginalized communities to maintain its power. Power is also maintained through, in quotes, tough on crime politicians who get donations from private companies who are pro-police and pro-prison. So the prison industrial complex is just modern day slavery and it is prescribed within our constitution in amendment 13. So if you don't know, amendment 13 is the amendment that came after the civil war banning slavery except for in prisons. Like that's the wording they used, except for Mm -hmm. inmates. So like Molly said, Power is maintained through this idea of tough-on-crime politicians who, whose goals are to clean up the streets and have a better America. But tough-on-crime 
ended up being tough on criminals and tough on criminals ended up being tough on the black and brown community and we see this the most with the war on drugs so the reason that the prison industrial system is also a race issue but not just a human rights issue which it is Mm -hmm. but it's also a race issue because of the criminalization of black and brown people and a lot of that was done through the war on drugs so Nixon brought forth the idea of the war on drugs, and he was very, very purposeful about it. He criminalized weed, heroin, and crack specifically because he knew the people that used them were the ones that stood in his way. So heroin and crack are for people who can't afford opioids, so lower-income people, and that tended to be black and brown people and that's not to say that white people don't use heroin and crack as they do but they're just not the ones that are charged for it weed was also black people but nixon was president during the vietnam war Mm -hmm. and hippies during that time smoked a lot of weed and hippies were the ones that stood against war and um, they were the ones that really headed the protests So criminalizing weed would also get them out of the way. However, when Reagan came into power, he really pushed the war on drugs and it really only affected black and brown people. I shouldn't say only affected, it affected people in general. And it criminalized drugs for everybody, like, and it's still criminalized now. And that's why, like, rehab is so hard and we have to work to, you know, make people healthy and understand that addiction is not a crime, it's Mm -hmm. a sickness. But it did disproportionately affect black and brown people. So the U.S. represents 4.4 of the world's population, but it holds 23% of the world's prisoners. So right now, 2.3 million Americans are in prison. And the U.S. prison population has risen 700% from 1970 to 2005, almost completely due to the war on drugs. So like I said earlier, the prison industrial complex is like modern day slavery. And we're going to get into why, but just keep this number in mind. There are more black people locked up in prison now than there were enslaved in 1850. And the reason this is modern day slavery is because of how much profit prisons and private companies and the U.S. in general makes from these prisoners right so like Miriam was saying prisons are extremely important to the u.s economy and it's because private prisons depend on the racist structures in mass punishment to become profitable private prisons are held less accountable than government prisons not to say that government prisons are any better than private prisons Mm -hmm. but private prisons are allowed to violate human rights even more than government prisons are because they aren't held accountable and held to the same standards yeah and a really good example of that is solitary confinement Mm -hmm. which was declared a form of torture yet there is no regulation federal wise state wise even like just within private prisons there is no regulation on solitary confinement so what misdeeds that are happening in prisons should be punished by solitary confinement no regulation on that how long somebody should be in solitary confinement no regulations on that on the standards within solitary confinement no regulations on that and this is literally a form of torture it has been proven to be a form of torture zero regulation and these companies that make 
private prison are allowed to do these things because of just how much revenue they end up bringing in. So for example, the Corrections Corporation of America is the largest private prison company with 68 facilities internationally, not just in the United States. And they brag about having 54,944 beds and say that California is its, in air quotes, new frontier. So it's literally like an empire. Yeah. Private prison. Wacken Hut Corrections Corporation is the second largest in the country, and it manages 46 facilities with a total of 30,424 beds. In the present day, the stocks of CCA and WCC are doing extremely well, but specifically in the years between 1996 and 1997, CCA's revenue increased by 58% from $293 million to $462 million. And its net profit grew from $30.9 million to $53.9 million. And WCC raised its revenues from $138 million in 1996 to $210 million in 1997. These facilities make so much money and that's why they are allowed to continue violating people's rights and continuing to expand. That's hundreds of millions of dollars in one year. Yeah. So not only that, but the prison industrial complex actually helps build other industries' profits too. So obviously, we talked about how the private companies make millions, but other brands that you probably use on a daily basis mm -hmm. also benefit from the prison industrial complex existing. So the government sends out contracts to construction companies to build these prisons, and that bolsters their industry so much. Because think about how many prisons were being built in that last statistic I read off. Yeah. Those construction companies are making so much money off of being asked to build these prisons. Yeah. And in hand, that goes with the architecture industry which now has a major niche for prison design. Because again, if you need construction workers to build these prisons, you need the architects to design them. Mm -hmm. So that's two industries that are being heavily supported by prisons in expanding how many prisons there are. And the more prisons you have, the more prisoners you need, which, and mass incarceration has been a problem in this country for years. And I mean, I don't even need to get into the broken policing systems. Mm -hmm which is also a product of prison this. industrial complex. Yep. Like, and there's just so much information, all of these things that we literally can't fit it in. Like you would have to do 10 episodes. Yeah. We just were talking about it earlier. Yeah. Cause mass incarceration on its own is an episode. Yes. Broken policing system. That's two episodes, <laughs> you know? So, and today, like we said, it's April 16th. And if you follow our Instagram, we just posted our what's been happening segment. And we literally had to talk about these three people that were betrayed by yeah. by the policing system. And, like, this is partially why. Because like, police are supposed to bring prisoners in to fill up these prisons exactly. so we can get these benefits. It's not a coincidence. No. So, along with construction workers being contracted to build prisons, investors see this opportunity. Because construction bonds are extremely profitable investments for finance companies mm -hmm. like Merrill Lynch and any other investor, they're going to make these investments because they know that they'll get a profit based off of how much it grows every year. And during these investment meetings, people creating private prisons 
make sh- let their investors know that most of the time the prisoners that are being released are likely to come back. And that's done on purpose. The mm-hmm. way we treat prisoners while they're in prison and then the way we treat them once they're released is very purposeful. Mm-hmm. We want them back in the system. Exactly. Again, because everything's for profit, so all of these companies that get supported are going to want this to continue happening. And apparently once this country declares somebody is an undesirable, they can literally never shed that title. Nope. Unless Mm -hmm. they're rich and powerful. Exactly. Technology developed for the military is being marketed for use in law enforcement and punishment. That alone is just, I don't even understand how that should be allowed, considering how much weaponry and machinery is used for the military, and Mm -hmm. it's so high level and intense and requires obviously a lot of training to use. I think we forget, I don't want to say we, but I think people in power forget that prisoners, in air quotes, and criminals, in air quotes, are just people. Exactly. We don't need to use an AK-47 on these people. No. I don't know, if you get pulled over, I don't think you need to have a military-level weapon in your face. Yeah. At any point. And I don't think you should be shot by anything, including a taser. Exactly. When you're 20 years old and trying to get back in your car because you were only pulled over for having an air freshener hanging from your mirror. Hmm. That seems like not the right thing to do. No, not at all. But hey. But hey, that's America for you. Profit. Now let's get into the prison Mm -hmm. because these are just profits based off the construction and the investments. Mm -hmm. There are also profits within the system. For example, phone calls. MCI profits off the outrageous prices they charge for prisoners for their phone calls. So the average call to a prison is about $5.61 and that's for a 15-minute phone call. And when you start looking at the people that are in prisons, they're often from low-income places. Mm-hmm. So to have a loved one call you for 15 minutes and have it cost them $6, first of all, that's painful on the outside that you have to pay that much to speak to somebody that you care about. But second of all, the things that happen to prisoners when they're not able to communicate with their loved ones is traumatic. Mm-hmm. It's just a step down from solitary confinement. One step down. It's their only contact with the free world still. And it's so hard for them to obtain it. And that's obviously done on purpose. Yeah. You want them to act out so that they have to stay. And you can keep making this money. It's so inhumane. It's so inhumane. And that's not to mention the things that they go through when they're in the prison. Because we haven't even gotten into Mm -hmm. that. And we're only talking about labor-wise. We're not even talking about everything else, which, again, would take a whole nother episode. Exactly. Many companies, including Microsoft, IBM, Motorola, Compaq, Honeywell, Texas Instruments, and Boeing, use prison labor because they do not have to pay them living wages, and they do not have to give them any benefits like health insurance, workers' comp, and benefits anything and usually there are less language barriers than if you were to ask for help from a third world country yeah so according to the federal bureau of prisons federal inmates earn 12 cents to 40 cents per hour for jobs serving within the prison so that means 
if you are like a janitor, if you work in your prison's library, if they have one, if you work in the kitchens, all of those are prison jobs. So you would get 12 to 40 cents. And that's just an average because I'm going to get into the states that don't even allow prisoners to get paid. And then for industrial factories in federal prison, you can get paid 23 cents to $1.15 per hour. And again, this is on average. so It's not the same everywhere. And this is federal prisons and private prisons will pay much, much less than this. Not to mention that Texas, Alabama, Georgia and Arkansas don't even allow their prisoners to get paid at all. And you will get punished if you don't do the work. So even if you're in Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Arkansas, or in a private prison that only pays you five cents an hour before tax, you will get punished if you don't do this work. Mm -hmm. And 62% of prisoners in the U.S. have jobs. Yeah, they do all the jobs that you would never want to do or even think about people doing. Mm -hmm. For example, they do data entry for Chevron, make telephone reservations for TWA, raise hogs, shovel manure, make circuit boards, limousines, waterbeds, and even lingerie for Victoria's Secret. Prisoners from Maryland inspect glass bottles and jars used by Revlon and Pierre Cardin. Many caps and gowns, probably including the one that you wore for your high school or college graduation, were made by South Carolina prisoners. Nordstrom sells jeans marketed as prison blues. This brand also has t-shirts and jackets, and they're made by Oregon prisoners. They're doing all of these things that I feel like we take for granted. Yeah. Almost. Because you go to the store and see that something's in a bottle. You don't think somebody did that, but they did. Yeah. You just think it's there, or like a machine does it probably. Mm -hmm. Nope. It's these prisoners. And they're doing it for... Pennies. Pennies, before taxes, mm -hmm. and with punishment. And no benefits. And zero benefits. Yep. It's like when people are like, oh, these are prisoners. Like, they did something wrong. They went to jail. First of all, let's not get into how many of them didn't do something wrong. Exactly. <laughs> and then, again, okay, they did something wrong. Like, you've never done anything wrong. Oh, my gosh. Okay, this gets to me so much. Because a lot of the times, people who say these things have consumed alcohol underage, mm -hmm. driven miles per hour over the speed limit. Mm -hmm. Or driven drunk or high. Driven drunk or high, done drugs underage, mm -hmm. and anything else. And it's like these rich politicians yeah. who are saying these things. Oh, these are prisoners. Or Fox News anchors yep. insulting them for wanting to get paid for their labor. Exactly. And I'm like, really? You. You are the one saying these things. A politician should mm -hmm. not be at all talking about no. how criminal criminals are really you're a politician you're a politician which means like you definitely have done some shady things, things. in your lifetime a hundred percent that's like in the job description of politician be shady anybody who has a lot of money did not earn it honestly and that's been proven yeah usually people with lots of money exploited somebody to get it mm -hmm. so don't act like you're morally superior yeah, someone. and we could talk about the college admission scandal, right? right. Where Lori Loughlin, what was her punishment? Two months in house arrest or something yeah. and like a fine. But then this one 
poor black woman who just wanted her child to go to a better school, lied about her address, and was sent to jail for six years. That's fair. I wonder what the difference is. But even if they did something wrong, and they need to be in prison, that's not an excuse to treat them like animals. Mm-hmm. Like literal slaves. We've established that slavery is wrong, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully we've established that thus far. In 2021, I hope we can agree that slavery is wrong. Hey, I mean, it's still in the 13th Amendment, so... Yeah, apparently... Apparently we have it. <laughs> in the amendment that tells yeah. you to stop doing slavery, it also allows slavery. Yeah. But I think if we can just agree that slavery is wrong, then we should probably also agree it's wrong no matter who's the slave. Exactly. Huh. Weird. So, a lot of times people will justify prison labor and putting people in prison in general as a way to say that it's going to fix society. That's kind of the basic description of Mm -hmm. this. But obviously it hasn't. Mm -hmm. Obviously people are still committing crimes or even not. There are so many flaws behind this. And yet we spend millions and invest millions in order to keep building these private prisons and exploiting these people. That could be redistributed in so many useful ways to actually help people. Mm-hmm. including housing for the homeless, better public education for poor and racially marginalized communities, open free drug rehabilitation centers for people who want the help and need it, universal health care, HIV prevention, helping end domestic abuse, creating well-paying jobs for the unemployed so they can live. There are so many ways that this money could be redistributed to decrease crime because... Obviously, just putting them in prison is not going to help them in any way. You don't benefit from that. But having a job would. Having a home would, so you're not on the streets. Getting help with your addiction would. I think that people also forget, because the industry does make them so much money, it still costs to, like, have Mm -hmm. prisoners. On average, in the U.S., it's about $31,307 for one inmate per year. That's how much it costs. And that's differing between states. It's higher in places like California and New York, right? And we have 2.3 million people in prisons. That is a lot of money for people that don't need to be there. You can put that money somewhere else, and I can guarantee you a good third of the people in prison won't end up back there if you just put that money where it should have been in the first place exactly exactly like i said because being educated having a home being able to support yourself that will get you out of crime that will help you live a better life have a good quality life you don't have to resort to these places and even if you're not doing anything wrong just because you live in those places you're going to be profiled and put in prison so (laughs) it would actually help but Again, like everything, if it's for profit, we're not going to change it. Yeah. Since 1984, 22 new prisons have opened in California, while only one new campus was added to the California State University system, and none were added to the University of California system. Higher education only received 8.7% of the state's budget, while... Correctional facilities received 9.6%. We, like, America wants these people to be in prison. Exactly. Like, we benefit so much from having these people in prison, right? And doing this episode and thinking about what just is going on, Kamala Harris is literally our vice president. Mm Mm-hmm. And Kamala Harris benefited from this for years. For years, she sent people to prison for minor marijuana offenses and benefited from this system. Yep. 
And now she's in the White House walking around every day. And we have to be like, yeah, she's the first black vice president, the first woman vice president, the first Indian vice president. All of those things are great, right? But if that's what we're looking to, mm-hmm. right? Like, if, if this, these are the people that we elected because we literally couldn't get anybody better, right? how do we expect any of these systems to change? They won't. It's not even an exaggeration. It's just not even surprising because if you think about how the country was founded, mm-hmm. it was literally founded upon exploiting people and not paying them mm-hmm. so the ruling class could have their money and build their pile and keep it going, yeah, just in different ways. And that's still how it is today. Mm-hmm. The ruling class, they c- they're called the ruling class for a reason. They want to keep it to themselves and keep these systems in place so they can still have their profit and nobody else can advance. Yeah. So we've already talked about this briefly in our white privilege episode in season one, but I'm just going to bring it back. So let's start off with saying that black and white people do drugs at almost exactly the same rate in fact i think it was white boys under the age of 24 smoke marijuana at higher rates than black boys of the same age group Mm -hmm. right so we're all doing drugs at the same exact rate but we criminalized drugs that only poor people can use Mm -hmm. and this includes poor whites and we did that for a reason one in every 15 black men are currently incarcerated. One in every 36 Latinx men are currently incarcerated. They're not committing more crimes. Mm -mm. There is no proof that they are committing more crimes. They've always been our target. Mm -hmm. They have always been our target. Stop and frisk, who did that affect? Black and brown people. Almost only. And that was just the U.S. being like, ah, let's give cops free reign. Exactly. But then we have laws that literally allow us to do this to people. Really? We're going to ban slavery except prison? And we're going to make sure that we imprison people who we would have enslaved. The origins of the police were slave patrols. They were supposed to be there for when people were trying to escape through the Underground Railroad, and they would take them and find them and bring them back to their slave owner. And obviously, there has has been no radical change in the policing system, so why does anyone think that would be different now? Think about who they're still targeting. Yeah. This is what I mean. Like, there's literally so much to cover. Prison industrial complex, we're literally just covering how we reinvented slavery in prisons. Mm -hmm. That's not, again, to mention mass incarceration, the policing system, criminalization of drugs. The war on drugs in general Mm -hmm. was, first of all, let's just say the the exact percentage of people doing drugs during Reagan is the exact percentage of people doing drugs right now. The war on drugs effectively changed nothing Mm -hmm. except mass incarceration huh that's weird it's like all of these things feed into each other and like then we have this idea oh well like all black people are criminals that's why they're in jail oh well then only reason that there's so many black and brown people in jail is because they do horrible things Mm -hmm. and it's like obviously you're gonna think that because that's what we're trying to feed you right but that's just not true Nope. And there's just like so much to cover there's so much to unpack it's so complex yeah and it's just like, again, like, I know we, we keep talking about the date. It's April 16th. There's so much going on right now. And we would have hoped that during George Floyd's case, we saw some kind of improvement, any kind of improvement, the slightest bit. But no, 10 miles away from where the case is happening, a 20 year old is shot and killed mm-hmm. for driving with an air freshener. Yep. In expired tags. Can I mention that back in December, 
my inspection sticker had been expired since August. Mm. And I drove past probably like six police cars. Mm -hmm. Not one of them pulled me over. Not even acknowledged it. They Mm -hmm. were this close to me at intersections, stopped across from me, driving right behind me on the roads. Not one pulled me over. Yeah. Lieutenant Nazario. Mm Mm-hmm. Literally a man in uniform serving this country. And we didn't even talk about the military-industrial complex because that exists. And that's what started the prison-industrial complex. Not started, but... Part of it. Part of it. And we're going to pepper spray him and handcuff him and stop him illegally. Like, literally stop him illegally in his uniform. It's just, like, so heartbreaking. It is. Like, what do we do? This podcast is called Change Today. Exactly. It's been a year since we started. We've seen no change. Exactly. It's disheartening. Like, it's hard to keep going. And it's because in order for this stuff to change, you have to change the fundamentals of this country. Mm -hmm. You have to change the whole economy. Mm -hmm. Because we can't have a for-profit everything. I know. Let's let's literally just look at the sentence that prisons are a business. Yeah. How is that not ringing like huge alarm bells exactly that should not be a sentence that exists it prisons be. are not a business people people aren't t- props to be exploited we're humans all right so typically we don't end our episodes like this but it's just so hard right now to keep mm-hmm. going and to like make this episode specifically after having the week that we've had it's hard Mm-hmm. And uh, we're trying to convey that, right? A lot of our episodes, we try to be uplifting and cheery because we want to, you know, prove that there's positive change that can happen. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. So <laughs> we're going to continue and we're going to do our outro and we're going to give you these sources, but you should be unsettled. Yes. We're unsettled. This is unsettling. Yeah. Here are some of the sources we used while putting this episode together. What is the prison industrial complex? What is abolition? An article from Critical Resistance, Masked Racism, Reflections on the Prison Industrial Complex, an article by Angela Davis, The Prison Industrial Complex, a book by Angela Davis, Hustle and Flow, Prison Privatization, Fueling the Prison Industrial Complex, an essay by Professor Patrice A. Fulcher. And for just a quicker or easier read or watch, last week tonight with John Oliver did an episode on prison labor. You can honestly watch any interview with Angela Davis. She is amazing. We both read pieces by her for this. She's really, really knowledgeable Mm -hmm. about it. So honestly, any interview with her would be amazing. Any article by her would be amazing. I think the Vlogbrothers, which is John and Hank Green, Mm -hmm. did a quick four or five minute sketch on prisons in general. It wasn't just prison industrial complex or prison labor. And yeah, those are just a few of the sources that you can check out. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope you'll join us next week. And again, I know it's very unsettling. And this is the part where I'm supposed to say that we're all doing great. And, you know, your mental health is important. It's okay to take a break. And all of that stuff is still true. And this is proof. Today was hard. This episode was hard. But we'll be back next week with another episode of probably some really sad stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. We can't change the world by ourselves. It's never going to happen. And we can't change it in a day or in a year or with a podcast. But we're trying. And... We can only hope that more people will come together and be inspired by this to really have an impact. So while this is very hard to say, don't forget forget that that there is always hope for change today. today.